0: Well, having to give a sermon gives, helps you to appreciate Pastor Zach all the more. <laughs> and sometimes he asks you, do you have anything? And you kind of go, no, not really. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll pray about it. I'll think about it. And um, maybe sometimes you're feeling a little negative and you go, well, I don't think you want me to preach on this or that, or something, or the other. And so I'll keep waiting. But I think, as I think about it, that it's interesting to see how God um, works through the process of preparing a sermon, uh, at least in my hands. And I think that this one grew out of last quarter's Sabbath school lesson, in the book of Genesis, and one of our lessons was, and I think I was the one I, one I taught, was on Cain and his legacy. And there were some things in there that I thought about, well, that, that might make a good sermon, that, that could be interesting. And in this quarter, we're talking about the crucible and how... Hard times and their effect on us and how we relate to them. And so that, I think, has influenced my thinking. And so I started looking into uh, the possibility you know reading the story of Cain, of Cain and Abel again. And uh, then was looking at another book. Like to read books of variety. And this is one that uh, came to us from Neil Nedley's program. One of our, our niece uh, attended there. And she you know, Linda likes to ask her nieces, uh, you know, what what books you got any good books for me? She she may ask you one of these days, you got a good book for me? And so our niece said, Well, there, there was a couple books there, and this is this was one of them. It's called SOS. Help for Emotions. Well, I'm not a very emotional guy, <laughs> and so maybe I, I kind of didn't read this book for a long time, but I finally thought, well, you know, maybe I should read it. Maybe I should take a look at it. So just at the point I was starting to think about this sermon, I got to pat, chapter 2 here, and I go, that kind of fits. I'll share that with, with you a little bit later. So... The other thing that I'm encouraged to do when I give a sermon is try to make it more personal and I'm not very good at that, but this week I had to practice what I was preaching <laughs> because I had some trouble with my computer, and I started typing in my sermon notes, and kind of this, I'd been having some trouble, but it was, and it just I decided to take my computer in and get it looked at and they took it in, I took it in and they said yeah you know, it seems to be okay. You just need to delete some more stuff off of it, and it 'll be fine. So I kept working on my sermon, and then it was going telling me it couldn 't save what i 'd typed and i 'm going, you know that does that make you happy? What kind of emotions does that bring up in you? <laughs> you go, Maybe I need this book more than I thought. <laughs> but praise the lord I, I was able to deal calmly with it, and uh, before It completely failed. I thought, well, if you can't save it, maybe you can at least take a picture of the screen. (laughs) And so I did. And I can almost, I can mostly read that. Second page is a little better. But praise the Lord, I, you know, I I spent more time than I would have liked on my computer. And I got an appointment tomorrow to take it in and and get it looked at. Uh, Hope the geniuses are as Genius, as they say, because it it needs a little genius help. Um, But in any situation, we have the power to choose how we're going to react to it. And I think that that's kind of what I want to focus on as we look at this old story. Well, as I was reading through Genesis 4, gets to verse 16, the end of the Cain and Abel story, and it says, Cain went to live in the land of Nod, east of Eden, and I'm going, that sounds kind of familiar, I think there's a book called East of Eden, and being a product of a good Seventh-day Adventist education, I hadn't read it, um, and didn't know much about it, so I looked to, to Wikipedia, and wouldn't you know it, there's a little something there for this sermon. And before we get to that, uh, thought was, you know, as we have the power to choose, and as a man thinkest in his heart, so is he. Famous saying that's derived from Proverbs. Well, that's the cover of the original version of East of Eden by John Steinbeck. It was published in 1952. Very famous piece of American literature. Does that valley look familiar? Do you know where that is? Salinas. "Grapes of Wrath" was Bakersfield. <laughs> yeah, and that was uh, I think 1939. So it's a story set in Salinas, and it does apparently have a definite Cain and Abel theme. Uh, there's a... As I recall there's a, two brothers, Adam and Charles. Charles dies, and Adam comes to California and has two sons. Uh, they? Caleb and Enoch, I believe. And it's quite a twisted tale, it sounds like. And but in the middle of it, they focus on this word Tim Shell, T I M S H E L, which is the The protagonist's uh, friend and cook for many years, a Chinese man named Lee, said that up in San Francisco, his friends had been studying Hebrew. The Chinese man learned Hebrew so they could study this story in the Bible. And they came to say that this word Tim Shell supposedly means thou mayest, reflecting man's power to choose between right and wrong quotes it might be the most important book the most important word in the world and they were comparing the king james version and the american standard version and and making uh, much about this and i thought well that's kind of an interesting idea that we do have the power to choose unfortunately the word tim shell is not in the bible but people have think it is because of this book, East of Eden and they've tattooed it on their bodies they've named their vineyards after it if you drive down Riverside Avenue in Paso Robles, there's a building that says Tim Shell Vineyards on it Uh, it's been been talked about on the Oprah Book Club TV shows, songs Um, unfortunately it was just John Steinbeck's uh, misinterpretation or wanting to make something that wasn't actually there the word, there is the word apparently Tim s h o l, meaning you will rule and as we get to that the verses there we'll uh, look at several different ways of translating that well I'm not qualified to expound on the Hebrew um, uh, or American literature for that matter and I certainly uh, oh before we move on, you've seen this guy, right? <laughs> James Dean out at Blackwell Corners. And so he was, the, he played the Caleb role, the Cain role, in the movie East of Eden. And he was returning to Salinas to race his, his car uh, when that happened. And he died at the James Dean Memorial Junction out there at, at the Shalam Y which if you've been there lately, they're doing a lot of work to, to try to make it safer. But it's, a lot of people have had trouble out there. So let's move on to what the Word really says. But before we get to this, as we know, uh, by Genesis 4, we already know that the world has a problem. It was created perfect, and then in genesis 3 the perfection was destroyed but there's a glimmer of hope in genesis 3:15 it says and i will put enmity between you the serpent and the woman between your seed and her seed he shall bruise your head and he shall bruise and you shall bruise his heel there's a promise of a deliverer that something would be made right, that that serpent would eventually have its head crushed. And as we don't know all that went on in the conversations between God and Adam and Eve, but they were undoubtedly told more than we are in this simple text about what was going to happen, but they didn't know all the details And so we move on to Genesis 4 and says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. What do you think she meant by that? What do you think she was thinking when she had that baby? First baby that was ever born that we know of. What was that? Okay, that he might be the redeemer. I think that that's a a definite possibility, and in our and I had not really been had not really focused on that, but our lesson uh, did point that out. Um, So, the New King James says, "I have acquired a man from the Lord." King James, I have gotten a man from the Lord. The NIV, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Literally, it says, I have acquired a man, indeed, the Lord himself. And the international standard says, I have given birth to a male child, the Lord. So she thought that something special, there was something special about this baby. There's never, you know, we've had a promise and now the promise is going to be fulfilled. And it would have been better for all of us if it had been at that moment, but or at least we would have, the world would have spared a lot of pain and suffering. So she thought that this could, have, could be the Redeemer. And Ellen White uh, agrees with that. She says, The Savior's coming was foretold in Eden. When Adam and Eve first heard the promise, they looked for its speedy fulfillment. They joyfully welcomed their firstborn son, hoping that he might be the deliverer. Verse 2, Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. No big deal. She didn't say, I brought forth another man from the Lord, or it was just another. Then again, had another baby. And interestingly, the name, according to the lesson, Cain means to acquire. You know, it's like something special. Whereas Abel means vapor. Uh, Elusiveness, breath, lack of substance. This is the same word as in the book of Ecclesiastes, where he talks about everything is vanity. That's Abel, is the same as vanity. So he, um, how this you know, got put back you know, to Abel and the relationship that, I don't know. I don't want to read too much into it, but you know, we get the idea that she didn't think as much about Abel as she did about Cain. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain... Oh, wait, missed, missed the point. Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain was a tiller of the ground. So now we've got some boys, got to put them to work. We've got stuff that needs to happen. And according to their gifts, their talents, um, Abel ended up working with the sheep. Um, keeping sheep kind of seems like a little more passive role. Cain was a tiller of the ground. He had to get in there and and work. And what kind of ground was this that he was working on? Was this good ground? It was cursed ground. Yeah, this was some, we don't know what that meant, how fertile Eden had been, and how perhaps less fertile this was, but he had to work for it. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. So they were bringing offerings. Do you think this was the first time they brought an offering? Seems unlikely. You know, we know that, and patriarchs and prophets agreed with, agrees with this says they, Cain and Abel, were to show their faith in the blood of Christ as the promised atonement by offering the firstlings of the flock in sacrifice. Besides this, the first fruits of the earth were to be presented before the Lord as a thank offering. Well, apparently, Cain brought an offering of the fruit. didn't say he brought the first fruits or the best fruits. Whereas Abel brought the firstborn, and the best parts. And so God respected, showed favor on Abel's offering, but not on Cain's. He did not respect Cain and his offering, and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. And this is where I think it really gets interesting. What happened? Did did he immediately kill his brother because of the offering? No, God came to Cain and said, Cain, what are you doing? Why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its its desire is for you. But you should rule over it. This is the passage that uh, Steinbeck appeared to be uh, fascinated with. But what fascinates me, what gives me hope, should give all of us hope, is that in the face of Cain's bad attitude, his insufficient sacrifice, God didn't let it go and say, okay, you're done. He said, I got to talk to this guy. I got to bring him back. I need to, to try to work this out with him. And so he, he encountered Cain, and said, what's, what's the deal here? And encouraged him to get back on the right track. And different versions put it a little differently. Sin lieth at the door, and thou shalt, but thou shalt rule over him. Uh, so it's kind of a, you're going to be able to overcome it. Um, NIV, sin is crouching at your door desires to have you, but you must rule over it. You must rule. And the Free Bible Version says, it's like a sin will be like an animal crouching outside your home, ready to pounce on you. It wants to have you, but you must be the one in control. He's telling Cain, you can't go down this road. And that continues in the New Testament. James tells us that we're tempted when we're drawn away by our own desires and enticed. And when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin brings forth death. First Corinthians 10, um, you will not be allowed to be tempted beyond what you are able. So God will make a way of escape um, if you are willing to let him do it. And so God was offering that, I believe, to Cain there um, as, as he was developing his plan well over after some period of time we don't know how long uh, says verse 8 now Cain talked with Abel his brother and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him and I looked at a f- tried to find an image that went with this and they're all kind of gruesome so I didn't put an image with this. But you know sometimes we get the idea that it's like these were two little boys and they went out to the field and one killed the other or uh, it was kind of a crime of uh, you know in the moment. But this, I really get the suggestion that from this that it's a premeditated murder. Cain had been working on this, thinking about this for we don't know how long since he felt that he had been you know, shown up at the, at the offering time. But that raises the question, why was, he, why was his offering not acceptable? Uh, to me, I suspect that he had done the offering right many times. He could have been 120 years old at this time. because so we know that Seth was born at about 130 years but, uh, of age of Adam, so, somewhere in that time, uh, Cain and Abel had been living together. They probably had families. The thing, things were growing in, in this community. And finally, Cain said, I don't believe it. I don't want to do it this way anymore. And he rebelled against God. Then the Lord said to Cain, came back to Cain, and says, Where's Abel, your brother? Cain said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? How would that go with your kids if if they said, I don't know. Don't look at me. <laughs> you know, that's clearly rebellion, clearly insolence, and not taking you know God seriously. But God, once again, we see God coming back to Cain and giving him the opportunity to confess, to repent, to admit, to engage with God, but he didn't. And, but I just love the fact that God was giving him the chance here. And, and he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Wait a minute, the guy who didn't even want to talk to God about the problem. Now when he says things start to get tough, he says, Whoa, this is too much. This is too hard. He started to whine. My punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out from this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth and it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. Isn't it ironic that he is now worried about what he has done is going to come back to bite him. And, and the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. So God mercifully gave him pr- protection. Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. I think the sad thing here is that Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. He had been in God's presence. He had had God appealing to him, calling to his heart. But he said, no, I don't want that. I'm going to leave God's presence and make my own way. And he did. He started a A parallel, wicked civilization. Uh, And that was a sad day for humanity, for Adam and Eve. Just think about that. The day that this all, when this all happened, Adam and Eve lost three children that day. They lost Abel. They lost Cain lost Cain's wife, who had to be one of their children. Uh, This was a a devastating day for that family. Did it have to go that way? So Cain went his own way. God provided another child, Seth. um, And then... it says, said, God has appointed me another seed. Uh, when, that's what Eve said when, when Seth was born. A replacement phrase. It was the same word as, and that's that a word appointed is apparently the same word as putting enmity between man and the serpent in Genesis 3.15. It's it's, it's, so it's a clue of the deliverer to come that the line would cut now go through Seth to the Deliverer. So the power of choice, the power to choose. Oh, Cain and Abel don't get a, a lot of more play in the, in the Bible, except in a few very important places. Um, Cain gets mentioned in 1 1 John. Uh, we should love one another, not as Cain, who was the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. So we know that that's how, how God felt about um, Cain and Abel. And in Jude it says, "Woe to them." This is talking about the people who are disrupting the church. They have gone the way of Cain. They have run greedily in the error of Balaam for profit and perished in the rebellion of Korah. That's Korah, not Korat. Um, So nobody wanted to be like Cain. That's not Jude 11. But um, this is Hebrews 11. Uh, Verse 4, I believe. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and though he being dead, still speaks. So this man whose name meant breath or just something transitory, he was actually remembered. It's like one of the first names we read in the faith chapter because he had the faith to do things the way God wanted him to do rather than Cain who was the antithesis of faith. And Jesus gave a shout out to Abel talking about the, the martyrs, blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah. Other than that, there's not a lot more mention of, of them in the, in the Bible. So Let's talk a little bit about the power to choose. Why is it so important? I think ultimately it's what the the great controversy, this great cosmic conflict that we are caught up in is all about. Satan didn't like the way things were going, and so he chose to disrupt a perfect situation of other-centered love, And God chose to handle it in the only way possible that would prove Satan wrong and that could restore uh, the world, the universe, to the right way. To show that God really was love and that his way was best. If we aren't free to choose, then we aren't really free and we can't really love. But as we see from this story and through, all through the Bible, there is danger in choices. It's possible to choose the wrong path. And we, clearly Cain did that. I think Cain was following in the path of, of, of the serpent. He didn't, we can't psychoanalyze somebody 6,000 plus years after the fact, but we can, know, we can surmise that he was he didn't like the, w- the way God had treated his parents, that they had been re- taken out of the garden, that he, the ground had been cursed. He had to deal with the cursed ground. Um, and you spend time out there on the farm, working in the yard, whatever you're doing, you got a lot of time to think. Cain didn't have podcasts, didn't have uh, music. He just had his thoughts, and he let his thoughts go down a bad road. And they led him to the point that not only did he rebel against God, but he murdered his brother. You know, as, as parents, and all of us at least have had parents, if we aren't, haven't been parents, um, parenting is a process of teaching the art of making good choices to our children. And it kind of goes in a, in a continuum from protecting them and giving them little choices, encouraging them to quote, make good choices, when there's really you're not going to let them make the bad choice for very long or there's consequences. To the point where we're trying to teach them to understand that choices have consequences and that we talk about the ten happiness rules uh, because God wants us to be happy. Therefore, he gave us these guidelines. And kids start to realize that choices are hard. And sometimes it's fun to see them make choices (laughs) in in non-moral ways. My favorite, some of you probably heard this before, but um, you you get a treat and you want to divide it five ways among the family. Well, cutting something five ways is a little bit difficult, but I got pretty good at it. <laughs> and so I remember a time or two, um, you know, I'd cut it and then I'd say, you know, let one of the kids pick first, and I'd say, and Peter'd go, "Oh, it's too hard to choose," because <laughs> they were all the same. And it shows something about our human heart: is we're always looking out for ourselves. We want to get. The best piece. And that, at least that's very, very human nature to, to want that. So, but as, as time goes on, they start to realize that whether you get the biggest or best, seemingly best piece, you still got a taste and you got to enjoy it. And so that becomes a little less important. And as, as your parenting continues, you get to the point of guidance and more information and counsel rather than saying you need to do this. And ultimately, your goal as a parent is to get to the point where your children are free moral agents. They can make good choices on their own. And that's what God wants for us. He wants us to use that power to choose, to realize that um, the path that we pick has consequences and it is important to, to make a good choice. Not because we have to, but because that's what will make us happy. And you get to the point where sometimes you can only talk about it if they want to talk about it. Uh, if all goes well, they'll still love you and appreciate for, you for what you've done. And as you've gotten to the point of, of making, getting them to the point of being able to make good choices. I still like this. I think I've shared this before. A quote from Pastor Jeff in uh, Boulder, Colorado. God didn't give us the Ten Commandments to keep us out of hell when we die, but to keep us from living in hell on earth. That's the important of choice, importance of choices and God's, God's plan. So, where did Cain go wrong? We talked a little bit about that. just want to share just a little a little bit from this one chapter in this book, SOS, Help for Emotions. We think, you know, in life, there's activating events. And there's, you know, over here, something happens. And then, over here, there's a result, a consequence to our emotions, to our behavior. And we think that especially in the realm of emotions, that whatever happens over here causes how we react over here. If If it makes us, you know, our boss is mean to us and now we're angry, anxious, and depressed. God doesn't like our sacrifice. We're angry, anxious, and depressed and kill our brother. But what we don't realize is that there's a step in between. And that's, what we tell ourselves the things we believe and the way we talk to ourselves about it and if you you can have the same initiating event but you can have two different outcomes depending on how you think about it we can say say let's use they use the example of the boss you're criticized by your boss your irrational belief is that He has no right to talk to me this way, and I can't stand it. And that makes you angry, angry, anxious, angry, and depressed. But a rational way to look at it is to say, I don't like the way he's talking to me, but I can stand it. Maybe we need to talk some more about it. Uh, Maybe I need to find another job. And so it doesn't distress you in the same way as if you say, this is just not right. This can't happen. And so they talk it. Uh, talk about crooked thinking versus straight thinking. And so when we're making these absolute statements about this is the way it must be, this is the way it absolutely should be, uh, that really affects our outcome. And so in connection with those, they talk about uh, five they call hot links that connect the, the, our feelings to the results that we get. If we allow ourselves to engage in condemnation and damnation or if we say I can't stand it, I can't stand it-itis, you know it's just there's no way I can put up with this or if we're awfulizing it this situation is more than 100% awful, it's horrible, awful, terrible or if you say, I'm worthless. Because of the boss criticized me, I'm worthless. Or if we say, always and never, those things are, don't help our thinking. If we say, this is an impossible situation, then we can't think through it clearly. And we end up uh, being frustrated and anxious, angry, and depressed. And So I kind of see a connection with Cain. Um... He didn't, he allowed what he was thinking about God to lead him to the point of rebellion. And then when he did uh, rebel and God called him on it, he, he said, I can't stand this. This isn't fair. This is not right. And then when he got, you know, murdered Abel and he was banished, or he, he was, the curse was increased. Then he said, I, you know, I can't stand it. This is not fair. And that led him to leave the presence of God. Yet, in God's mercy, God had, you know, directly we see him appealing to Cain twice. But once before and once after the murder of Abel. So Cain's sorry story was different than Eve's. She was kind of surprised and caught off guard. But Cain's irrational beliefs and self-talk led him down a path of rebellion to confronting God and building up so much anger that he could kill his brother. God tried to intervene to help Cain, remind him of the dangerous path he was on, and God tried to encourage him to confess and repent after the fact. Some of the areas that we have choices in are the things that we put into our minds. That's the inputs. That can be in the settings and situations that we put ourselves in, the conversations we have, the media we consume. And then, after things are put into our brain, then we have choices about how we're going to process that, how we're going to think about it. Are we going to think irrationally, you know, with absolute statements, with... Just, you know, overreact, I guess would be another word for it. Or are we going to think it through? And then response, how are we going to respond? And that is both internal and external. An interesting thing about that is sometimes our external responses can appear perfect, but our internal responses may still be in rebellion against God. And because God can see what they are. But again, we still have that power to choose. And as we, as you read the Bible, you will still, you will everywhere you turn, you'll see things that um, that remind you of these truths that we have the power to choose, and that God is calling to us. Just this morning, in the Bible reading for today, set out long ago, um, we had Psalms ninety-five, seven and eight says, "If you hear His voice." Don't harden your hearts. So God is calling to us, don't harden your heart. And Ecclesiastes 7, uh, verse 9, don't be quick to get angry, for anger controls the minds of fools. So don't be a fool when things aren't going your way. And in this old world, things Don't go our way a lot uh, in one way or another. And we can see the way other people are are behaving. We we don't like it. We can see the way our situation is going. We may not like it. We may have opinions about the way other people are doing things and we don't like it. Um, But God is calling to our hearts and will help us through them. And so to close, we're going to sing a song. Um, it's called God, God Will Make a Way. And just want to leave that, that thought in your mind that God is on your side. God is calling to your heart and will, even when things seem tough, um, he'll give us the strength for each new day. And I just. I love the words of this song and the way uh, it can resonate uh, in our minds. Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, we are so grateful for your goodness. We are so grateful that you keep calling to our hearts, to our emotions, and that you We are so grateful that you give us the power to choose and that you give us your word to show us the way to you, the way to choose you and the consequences of not choosing you. Lord, we just pray that as we are caught up in the same cosmic conflict that Cain was caught up in, that we will not take the way of Cain, but that we will take the way of faith as Abel did, and that we will um, make the worship you and, and love you and serve you regardless of the consequences. So thank you for being with us this morning. Pray that you'll be with us and bless us in the remainder of this Sabbath and just protect us and guide us through this week, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.